We'd like to warn you that this episode contains potential trigger topics, such as suicide, miscarriage, and abortion. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen, a bi-monthly podcast designed to teach the searchers, seekers, and spiritually curious the basics of metaphysics and new thought. They're all about the basics, but they are not basic bitches. Now, here are your hosts, April Dali and Jen Merkel. And thank you for joining us for Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. My name is Jen Merkel. I am a light worker. I am a transformational life coach, and I am a certified hypnosis practitioner. You can learn more about what I do and schedule a free consultation at jenmerkelhypnosis.com. Hi, my name is April Darley. I'm an intuitive mindset coach, and I help people figure out who they really are, what they really want to do, and overcome obstacles to doing that thing, all with a little dash of practical magic. So you can find out all about that on my website, apraldarley.com. So we'd like to welcome all of our listeners, whether you are new here or whether you've been listening to us, we have a super special episode today. This is part one of our episode all about your soul's journey, past, present, and future. And uh, it's very deep philosophical conversation, poses a lot of really interesting questions and has some really good dialogue. So we have part one right now, and then we will be dropping part two next week. So today we're talking about Things like what uh, you wait before you're born, um, between lives, and your current life, what your soul is doing, doing all those times. And uh, it's going to be a really fascinating conversation. So I'm really excited about it. I cannot wait. I think this is going to be my most favorite episode ever. We've got some super juicy stuff for you guys. So let's get to it. Um, Before we get into the subject matter, I think there are a couple things we need to talk about. First of all, you know, this is something that's going to make you think. And that's what we want. We want you to think about these ideas that we're going to present. April and I sometimes have differing opinions about some of these topics that we discussed today. I think mostly we're about the same, um, but they might very well differ from your opinions, listener. And, you know, this is just to make you think we're not trying to proselytize or convert or anything like that. We're just presenting the information to see if some of it resonates with you. And really the reason why I think that's important is because when I was going through my spiritual growth, I had all this organized religion ideas in my head. And I knew that I didn't believe in a lot of it, but I didn't, wasn't quite sure what to think. Just more searching I did, the more discovery I did, the more I realized, you know, some of the things that I read about made a lot of sense. So hopefully some of this will make sense to you too. But, you know, pick and choose and take what works for you. Um, I know for myself, actually both of us, I think we'll be referencing a lot of books we've read on the subject. And so for that reason, you might want to have something to jot down the titles, you know, some uh, pen and paper or I liked my little uh, thing I like to do is I'll open an email on my phone and email myself the information. Also, just to keep in mind, there's really no right or wrong here. We're not, like I said, we're not preaching or proselytizing. We don't claim to have all the answers, but that's okay. I personally believe that part of life's journey is figuring things out. 
But also, I don't know that we're meant to know all the answers. You know, it's okay to just wonder or have open-ended questions sometimes. You know, there isn't always a clear-cut answer for us. So just consider the possibilities and whatever resonates with you. Uh, one thing to note, uh, do I do think is important, is we will be making a reference in this episode to the creator or the creative energy. This is called by many names. You may call it God, spirit, source, the divine, or the universe, or something else. So these are really all different names for the very same entity. So, by the way, April, what do you what term do you usually use? Uh, I used to use God, but now I often do Great Spirit. Um, okay, more of a shamanistic type of view. So Great Spirit, yeah, yeah. For me, um, it depends. I use several different ones. Like if I am um, setting an intention, I'll often say Spirit. Mm-hmm. But if I am writing a blog or like even the notes today, I'll say Source or the Universe mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I'm doing readings, I often say source or the universe. And I think maybe that's just because for me, when I'm like doing a ritual mm-hmm. or something like that, I feel like it's a spiritual connection mm-hmm. and that's spirit. You know, that's right. like when I'm really getting close to spirit rather than just referring to spirit or source. Right. At any rate, we're all connected by source. This is the collective conscious or collective consciousness is what it's called. We all have this energy within us as a part of us. So for example, I'm connected to you right now. I'm connected to April. Mm -hmm. You're listening. We're connected to you. You are all connected to others. Therefore, I am connected to those others as well. And it goes on and on and on. Similarly, we are connected to souls that are not currently on this earthly realm. For example, guides, angels, ancestors, they're all connected to other souls as well. We're also connected to anything that has a living energy, which includes animals and plants. Here's a question. What about things that are not living? They do have energy, correct? What I believe is that we have a connection to them, but it's not as strong. Their vibration isn't as strong as a living being. For example, crystals have a really great vibe, and I do feel connected to them, but they're not a living thing. Uh, The table that I'm sitting at, you know, I'm connected to it, but it's not a living being. So it's a little bit different. But it's almost like the butterfly effect. What we do think and feel affects everyone as a whole. And then April, you know, back when we did the episode on meditation, you referenced a study or a research project done um, that was about the collective consciousness and the power right. of collective consciousness. Can you uh, review that for us? Right. Here's a little refresher. So this study in 1993, a research project led by quantum physicist John Hagelin, wanted to show that group transcendental meditation could lower the crime rate in Washington, D.C. without any direct action taken, such as verbal, social, or political action between the meditators and the general public. So the changes would be made solely through the effects of meditation on the collective consciousness. The group's goal was to reduce violent crime, such as homicides, rapes, and assaults by at least 20%. Now, the police were like, no way. This just is impossible. So from June 7th to July 30th, a group of 1,750 meditators meditated with the intention to lower the crime rate. At the end of that period, violent crime reduced by 23.3%. 
This became known as the Maharishi effect. And this is the idea that individual brain waves can affect the collective consciousness. Though the exact science on how to explain this is a Still not known, but nearly 50 studies have been done on the subject and have appeared in prestigious publications such as the Journal of Crime and Justice. So if you're interested in participating in a group meditation like this, you can find a lot of these types of events for healing with the purpose of healing humanity or the universe or the earth online or in person within your community. A lot of times yoga studios and new age shops will host them. And you can also find things at meetup.com if that's something you're interested in. So let's talk now about life between lives. Ooh, like what does your soul yeah. do when it's not here on earth? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is pretty interesting because, I mean, I watched this, the movie Soul on Disney+, Plus, which I love that movie, but it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. But mm-hmm. it kind of talked about a little bit how like, you know, in between, like before you were born, what happens? And when you're not here on Earth. So if you get a chance, check it out. Um, but uh, April, I think you have some better information on all this. Okay, so I'm going to give you some OG references from like 20 years ago. And these two ladies really formed the foundation of my other side belief system that I have actually not altered that much in over 20 years. So these books I'm going to give you, I read them starting when I was 18, the first one about the other side I read was Embraced by the Light by Betty Eady. And it documents her near-death experience and her time and visit on the other side. And then Sylvia Brown, she was an OG psychic. She's passed over now, but she wrote tons. Wasn't she on like the, was it the Montel Williams show? Yeah, Yeah, that's where I first found her. And I was like, oh, I like her. But she wrote a ton of books about the other side. But the first one I came across was Life on the Other Side. But she has probably at least 10 books documenting about what goes on on the other side. So you can check those resources out. I think some of this information is timeless and go for it. Yeah. And, you know, actually, Brian Weiss wrote a book and I wish I could remember Many the Lives, title Many Masters. It. Yes, Many Lives, yeah. Many Masters. And it was more about past lives. He had a patient that he discovered past lives with, but he also discovered that she was able to access her life between lives. So that was kind mm-hmm. of interesting as well. But so let's talk about some of the theories of what happens, like what our soul is doing or what it can can do between lives. So for me, I'm thinking that, you know, it can serve as a guide to the living or perhaps the non-living, right? So you can be a guide or a guardian angel for someone. Um, You can do healing work either for specific people or just for the world in general. Right. I do think that we are doing stuff. I don't think we're hanging out on a cloud playing a harp, but I I think, (laughs) you know, right. And a lot of, a lot of my clients don't even think about what the other side is like. It's just a destination to get there and a a box to check off. Right. But I, I think we are, have the ability to create whatever we want instantly. So it's an instant manifestation. If you want a mountain landscape, there you go. You think it and it is. But I think we're having fun. We're doing hobbies. We're socializing and we're 
working different jobs that we're assigned to. So yes, I think that you can serve as a guide. I think that you can do research. Sylvia Brown talks about how some people who have this scientist that's part of their soul's purpose actually do research on the other side and almost act as muses to whisper cures and solutions to our earthly scientists to help them, quote unquote, discover it so that we can help humanity. So I think that we we do continue to do that stuff. And the Mormon faith has something really interesting and they believe that you can continue to minister to others who didn't reach the highest levels of the afterlife. So in their perspective, the afterlife is tiered and there are many different levels to it. And if you're towards the lower levels, those above you can minister and sort of raise you up. And on the lower levels, it was people who were good people, but they weren't necessarily Christian. It wasn't part of their belief system. So they might level up that way. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of other beliefs about life between lives or it's more the North Norse mythology, for example, it's not really tiered, but there are nine worlds and you can experience these worlds in different ways. There's one world called Midgard, which is home of the humans. So when you're alive, this is where the humans are. Um, but also within Asgard are where you go after you die. For example, Valhalla um, and Folkvanger, those two places, Valhalla is ruled by Odin and, and Folkvanger by Freya. So they split up soldiers, or I should say people who have battled and died in battle um, between them. Also, the other place they can go is hell, which is within Helheim. And the funny thing is hell isn't like it's it's heavily Christianized. Mm -hmm. Like some of the references might show that it's, you know, uh, fire and brimstone and gnashing of teeth. But traditionalists often believe that hell has different sectors mm -hmm. that are based upon how honorably you lived and how you died. So, for example, if you died from an illness or in an accident, you aren't necessarily going to a place where you're going to be set on fire. Yeah. But if you lived a dishonorable life, then you might be. Right. So they have different worlds like that. You can, if you want to, you can connect with your in-between soul, which is really your higher self. You can use hypnosis, uh, meditation. Um, you know, it's just similar to past life regression. Okay. And in terms of connection, there is a really cool book. It's called Beyond Past Lives by Maura Kelly. And this book was the first that I had ever read about parallel lives or your soul splitting. So she talks about how you can actually live two lives at the same time, be two different people. And I found that concept really fascinating. And I'm going to tell a little story in a bit about something that I remember, but this was the first time I ever heard it. So according to her, you do have the ability to tap in to not only these parallel lives on other worlds, but also the other pieces of yourself who might be living simultaneous lives. You know, we talked about dreaming last time, and I think that sometimes when we're dreaming, we can also travel to the in-between lives or like you said, the soul splitting in different areas. Mm -hmm. So we'll be talking about that a little bit more in a minute. But let's talk now about just before and during birth. So this is a concept that 
I didn't really ever consider until I read some books. Um, I think the first one I read about this was by Doreen Virtue. And uh, that was so a long time ago, very, very early in my spiritual development. But then since then, I've read about it with um, Abraham Hicks books, uh, also Dr. Wayne W. Dyer. And then most recently for me, when it really hit home was with Louise Hayes book, you can heal your life. And she talks about how we actually choose our parents. And the reason why it's so important for Louise Hayes book is because the basis of her book is how to heal. And the reason why she needed healing is because she had a really bad, horrible childhood, uh, mostly because of her parents. But she came to realize that she chose her parents before she was born in order to help her learn her life's lessons. It's interesting, even if you didn't have the perfect childhood, you know, probably you didn't. Most people, I think, didn't. And um, you choose your parents because they have life lessons to teach you. But that also goes for family members and possibly even others within our lives because they will help us in that way. 100% agree, Jen. And I actually think that this is the more empowered option to look at it. And I will say from all of my many years in practice, I have only ever met one empath who had a Brady Bunch style upbringing. All the other empaths, they had challenging family situations, myself included. Sure, sure. And I have some clients who feel that they were assigned here by God instead of choosing. So they feel they didn't choose their parents, God picked them, that they didn't choose to come to earth, God assigned them here. And my clients that have that particular belief are often sort of resentful because planet earth is hard and they don't want to be here. And to them, it, it seems really illogical that why would I have chosen the alcoholic father, the absentee mother, etc. So they, they don't look at it as that life lesson sort of thing, but I am 100% in agreement with you. I think we chose our parents for all the things that they could teach us and give us. Yeah. And really when you talk about your clients in that way, those are the people that are kind of closed in their beliefs. They're not thinking beyond because it's your higher self that makes this choice. It's not your earthly self. Right. So when you're thinking in your earthly self with, you know, not quite to that maturity as far as your, um, I don't want to say open-mindedness, but your belief system, you know, opening your mind and realizing that your higher self may have made that choice. And also I think that, you know, perhaps that's part of their lesson. That's what they're supposed to be learning here is to let go of that. It's not supposed to be easy. Right. You know, we're here to learn lessons. Yeah, absolutely. And I do have some clients who one of their sabotages is that they try to avoid pain. And as we both know in this healing profession, mm. that's an impossible feat when you're a human on planet Earth. That's part of the package. Right. And also, if you don't learn your lesson, the universe is going to keep sending it to you. So right. might as well get it over with. Rip off that Band-Aid, that's man. Right. Jump in. <laughs> so choosing your experiences is something else that we do. And the main experiences we have are also chosen bias before we're born. So I agree with this. I think we choose themes in our lifetime that we serve as a blueprint. So we often fill in the details here or there based on our free will choices. Yeah. And also the free will of others also affect us. Right. Just like I mentioned a few minutes ago, the butterfly effect. 
And for more on this, uh, again, you can li- read You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And uh, you had also mentioned a book, April. So Sylvia Brown's got a two book part one, part two, it's called Journey of the Soul. And I do remember that this was particularly impactful to me. And she does talk about life themes. That's a Sylvia Brown concept that we have life themes that we choose and we are here to learn and operate and function within that theme. And, you know, also, April, something that I know about you that I don't know myself is you have a memory about your soul contract. And that's not something that I personally have. So can you tell us about that? I know you've mentioned on the show before, but yeah, so I have what I call one pre-birth memory. And I was in this pale gray hooded robe and I was working in the great library. So a lot of books out there that have had people have near-death experiences, they say there's certain fixtures on the other side that stay the same. One tends to be a rose garden and the other one tends to be a great library. So I was working in the great library and I heard this telepathic call. And this call was they needed healers to come back to planet Earth. And they especially wanted the old ones, the ones that had been through the shiz, that were not newbies that knew how planet earth worked and they needed those people badly for this time. And I had zero intention to reincarnate back to earth. I was done. I've had a lot of lives here. They have ended badly. Any way (laughs) you can think of to be killed and died, your girl has done it. All right. So, but I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go. So I walk in front of to this room and there's a council there and everybody's in robes, and they told me something that I cannot remember. But whatever they must have told me must have been extremely impactful because I agreed to come back. And they shoved this contract across the table. They just slid it across the table, right? It's this big, fat, thick Mm -hmm. contract. And these guys must have been like car salesmen or something because whatever they told me, I was like, I'll do it. I'll sign up. I didn't even read the contract. I just signed the thing. Girl, I always read the fine print. What the heck? Trust me, Earthly April is kicking her own ass that I did not (laughs) negotiate this. So in that council room with me, I had two figures standing side by side. And I do feel that they were guardian spirits or guides with me. So I remember signing this contract. I kissed them both on the cheek. I walked out the set of doors. And that's where the memory ends. But... I do know who one of those guides are. And there was a classmate of mine in med school. He is one of those guides. He's younger than me. Wow. I still don't know who the other one is, but that is my pre-life memory. I was in retirement. I came out of retirement to be April Darley for you guys and to do my thing. But wow, aren't we special? (laughs) We're so blessed. So question, so yeah. this, this person who you know who the guide was, do, does that person know? Like, have you had that conversation with them or no? Yeah, so he and I have been in many, many past lives together, and we've just about done every combination you can think of, parent, child, brother, sister, lovers. Mm-hmm. Whenever we were lovers, it never seemed to work out. But when we were friends or family, those were great lives. So he was a very impactful figure for me on the other side in here, we, we just are very linked. Super interesting. Soul family. Yeah. 
Awesome. So let's talk about your soul's path while you're here on earth. So now you've been born, here you on earth, and you're working now to discover and fulfill your life purpose or your soul purpose. So here's something that might surprise people. You may have more than one soul purpose. I do actually. And I feel like it can change over the span of your lifetime. So for me, my sole purpose when in the first half of my life was to be a good wife and mom, to raise my boys, to be good men. And that mission has been accomplished. Yeah, <laughs> so now my purpose is to be a light worker. And they aren't mutually exclusive. I mean, I was a light worker before as well, but I was kind of shifting my energy and from doing good at home to doing it more for the community and the universe. So when it comes to life purpose, I think we choose an archetypal theme for our life. And this is discussed, Sylvia Brown, Carolyn Miss from Hay House discusses this as well. But our soul's purpose has something to do with that theme. And for example, I'm in the healer category, so I chose the healer theme. So it's my soul's purpose to help heal no matter what my actual job is or occupation. So your purpose may not be how you earn money on earth. And I think that this confuses a lot of people, Right. but right. your purpose, at least in my opinion, has to do with the theme that you chose. And there are different themes out there. There's healer, there's soldier, there's catalyst, there's all these different themes. And you are here to operate somehow within that theme. So that said, I mean, I was thinking, actually, I just wrote a finished a blog post today that's going to be um, going out by the time this actually um, goes live. But it was about why I'm a light worker, like what makes me a light worker. And, you know, I listed things because for me, I don't think I have one single theme. Mm-hmm. I might have one that's more powerful than others, but I'm definitely a teacher. I mean, we're both mm-hmm. teachers. Here we are right now. Right. Um, I'm a healer. Uh, through hypnosis and even through energy healing and other things. But I think if I were to put it under one bubble, maybe caretaker, because that's mothering, right? Right. So yeah, I I do consider caretaker a subcategory under healer, because Mm -hmm. the caretaker category is very special. And nurses often fall into the caretaker category. Sure, yeah. Because they're some of the most ultimate, they're the Marines on the front line. They're some of the most ultimate mothers parents, period. They fall in that caretaker. Anybody who's in hospice, you know, they're falling in that. And it's very special what caretakers do. Yeah, it's interesting because even if I think about the volunteer roles I've had in the past, like I volunteered at animal shelters, Mm -hmm. I was a caretaker for horses. And even like when I do, when I work for environmental causes, I'm a caretaker for the earth. So maybe that's my theme. I don't know. I never really thought about it until you brought up the idea, but it does make sense. And I'll tell you, I am not a caretaker, right? At all. I <laughs> but am, that's okay. Yeah. I'm in the healer <laughs> category, but I don't have mm-hmm. that little extra special special sauce, if you will, that makes me that caretaker. That is not my strength there. So yay you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all have different jobs because the world needs of people course. with different jobs. We all yeah. have different talents because that's what the world needs. Yeah. And there's no one better than another for mm-hmm. sure. Um, But let's talk about some different ways to discover what your sole purpose is. So I think we subconsciously already know what 
our life purposes, but a lot of people dismiss it because they think it's not grand enough. But if you look at your natural traits, your strengths, your talents, your inclinations, I think that gives you a huge clue as to what the theme of your life would be and what your soul's purpose would be. So I think you already know on some level. So if you are having a hard time with that and you want some help, there are some other ways you can help discover what it is. Um, Getting an intuitive reading is one way. I know I will offer soul's purpose or life purpose reading sometimes uh, based on some different uh, aspects, but also um, tapping into your higher self using meditation or hypnosis can help you discover what that is. And of course, we're a big proponent of astrology over here in these Spiritual Basics podcast parts. Um, So some of the things to look at for astrology Your 10th house is about your career, but that's not always your sole purpose. If you're lucky, you can have it be both, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just need a career to pay the bills so that you can do your sole purpose. 100%. Um, Your sun sign is going to reveal what makes you happy. So it might reveal the profession best suited for you. And your lunar nodes are about your life purpose. They're encoded between them, um, between your north and south lunar nodes. The citation I'd like to put here is astro-seek.com. That was their, uh, what they had said about the lunar nodes. I hadn't heard that before. But if you want to learn more about, run your chart and find out more about what your sole purpose might be, you can go ahead and hit that site. So Jan Spiller is an astrologer who has done an entire book about your lunar nodes, north and south node. So that is amazing. So let's ask the question then. You Let's say you know what your sole purpose is, or maybe you don't, but what if you don't fulfill that purpose while you're here on earth? So what I think is you might end up carrying the task and any karma around that into your next life. And this can explain why past life work reveals the reasons why we have certain fears and emotions in our current lives. Because I have this whole thematic view, I actually think it's really hard for you to not fulfill some element of your life purpose. But I do think that you can spend many lifetimes exploring the same theme that you choose. So for example, if you are a healer, you're going to explore it from angles like the wounded healer, where you actually need to heal yourself. You can be a healer to others. You can be the disrupted healer. And that's when others interfere with your path or even caused your death like a witch burning. You can also be the rescuer and have to deal with that element and overcome that so you don't lose yourself trying to heal people. So the theme will be repeated from slightly different angles until you feel like you've completed it or mastered it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I know that I have been a priestess in past lives. So that is, I feel like this life is carrying on from that work, but I probably had lives in between Mm -hmm. that were the same. Right. So now let's talk about what is a soulmate. Yeah. And this is the soul that you were meant to be with, determined by fate, a person who makes you feel complete. So I believe that a soulmate is a companion soul that helps you evolve or helps you in some way. And the lessons that you learn through a soulmate are extremely powerful and life-changing. So April, have you met your soulmate? So I've met many soulmates because I think that we have lots of them. And I I, agree with that. Yeah. I've encountered them as friends. I've encountered them as lovers. And when they are lovers, they, the relationship tends to be extremely 
high intensity chemistry, but they don't last very long. And, but they tend to be almost catalysts for me. It's like they jump up my evolution a thousand percent, right? And uh, some, t- because I do think that the lessons you learn from soulmates are stronger lessons. So they're, they're kind of sprinkled in when you need a, like a little shove to, to get going again. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. How about you? Um, For me, it's complicated, of course, because I'm an Aquarius. (laughs) So of course it is. Um, I believe that my ex was my soulmate. um, And, you know, we were married for almost 25 years. We were in a relationship for over 25 years. And over time, you know, we both changed. And I really think that that's, you know, we're not soulmates anymore, but at the time we were really meant for each other and we both grew in different ways and we learned different lessons from each other. But so to say that, yeah, I do believe he was my soulmate, but he's not anymore. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that I could have someone out there right now, you know, who's just waiting in the wings. Yeah. I kind of think once a soulmate, always a soulmate, at least for the current life you're in. But I, I do agree that everybody's a reason and a season. So they don't need to be in your life once you've got your lesson. Once you've learned the thing, yeah, you guys can go separate ways. You know, I I also hear from some clients, especially when I'm doing readings, that they have this belief that your soulmate is always a positive or healthy relationship. Like they want to know if they're going to meet their soulmate because they think that's going to be their person for the rest of their life and everything's going to be hunky-dory, all rainbows and butterflies. But for me personally, I think that sometimes we bring personal trauma into a soulmate relationship and that can seriously damage that relationship. Yeah, 100%. I don't know that these interactions are meant to be overtly positive in the moment. But I do believe in the grand scheme of things, the lessons that you learn, it's going to work out positive in the end. But sometimes we learn faster from negative or painful experiences. And that's how we were talking earlier. It's like, don't try to avoid the pain because there's beauty in it. There's a lot of goodness in the pain. So I think we do come to realize that these explosive soulmate type interactions are going to work out in the end, but they may feel super crappy in the moment. So uh, one of the questions we had here too is, can you have more than one soulmate? And absolutely, I think so. And I also believe that you can encounter the same soulmate in other lifetimes. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Agree with that. What if you don't meet them during this lifetime? Again, this is kind of from, it's a little bit of a fear-based question. Um, I do get this when I do reading sometimes because they want to know if they're going to meet their soulmate. And the answer might be, no, you're not going to. But uh, I do think that it is possible that you don't meet your soulmate in this lifetime. I don't think everyone does. And perhaps that's just part of your life lesson or your life path. So I'm going to differ a little bit here. I think we always meet soulmates because we need help on earth and your soulmates aren't always romantic. So sometimes they're your forever lover that people want, but other times they might be the stranger at the bus stop who gives you this profound piece of advice. And that was your one and only five minute interaction. But I I think that there are so many soulmates that it would be impossible for you to not meet some, although you may not fall in love and have that forever soulmate. 
Some other little thing about my soulmate, um, the reason why, especially I think we have more than one is because I believe that right now I have a soulmate who's on the other side and he's serving as one of my guides. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that because I only recently met him during meditation. So he's not even incarnated right now. So it's pretty interesting uh, when I learned all that. Um, But it's good to know that, you know, he's there. And sometimes I visit him when I meditate. But that kind of said also sort of like a side sidebar to soulmates, twin flames. So what is a twin flame? So here is the definition, because it's it's hard to explain, but I found a good definition of, of it from mindbodygreen.com. They say a twin flame is an intense soul connection, sometimes called a mirror soul, thought to be a person's other half. It's based on the idea that sometimes one soul gets split into two bodies. One of the main characteristics of a twin flame relationship is that'll be both challenging and healing. This is due to the mirroring nature of a twin flame. They show you your deepest insecurities, fears, and shadows, but they also help you overcome them and vice versa. Your twin flame will be equally affected by you. So April, do you have a twin flame? So twin flames, I feel, got magnified several years ago, and it was almost like a new age thing that they made it this like holy grail of relationship goals. And to be honest with you, twin flames are runners. You're going to have a way smoother relationship romantically if you find a soulmate versus your twin flame. It's like living with someone that is constantly going to push your buttons and you will constantly pushing theirs. So it is this push, pull, run, abandon, reject, love, pull you close, push you away, constant dynamic. And to unless you guys will both get over your own shiz and work that stuff out. So some people believe that you don't even meet your soulmate until your last incarnation on earth, because it's really freaking distracting. And you've got stuff you need to be doing other than pining after this annoying, heartbreaking relationship, right? But I did ask my guys about this. And so it was during a meditation and they connected me with my twin flame, but my twin flame is not incarnated. He's on the other side. His name is Mikhail and he's okay to be there, right? Because I got work to do down here and I don't need Mm -hmm that relationship drama in my life. So I do think that twin flames often do not incarnate at the same time because it would be distracting, but they do serve as important guides for us on the other side. So what you just described as a twin flame explains like pretty much every single drama in sitcom you see on TV or in the movies. Right. (laughs) People that drive each other crazy, but are meant to be together or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. So, so far, this has been such a fascinating conversation and uh, so much great information and a lot of really advanced concepts. So, so be sure to check us out next week when we do part two, we'll be talking about death. So what happens when you die, what happens after you die, and we'll also be discussing past lives as well as posing some really philosophical and very interesting questions about your soul's journey. Yeah, super juicy. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you next time. This has been Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. 
Find full episodes on your favorite listening platform or visit spiritualbasicspodcast.com.